Let's welcome Adam Northcroft as he comes and speaks this morning. Right, well, am I on? Yeah, good. Morning. Morning. How are we doing? You alright? No, you're not alright. You want a bit more volume, is that what you want? You want a bit more volume? Request more volume. Okay, we. Okay, sound check over. Good. Okay, well, as you've heard um, from Ian, we are going to carry on with our big questions series. And uh, we'll be tackling, as you know, a number of these big questions uh, that, uh, that people ask about uh, Christianity or indeed about belief in God. And uh, today, <clears throat> we are going to be looking at this question. How do we know that Jesus is real? How do we know that he was a real historic figure? And uh, if you are a Christian right now, you've answered that question like that. And so you're thinking, oh good, I can have a little nap for the next half an hour. Well, can I just say, no, just remember what Ian has just said. The point of this series is twofold. The first point is to answer this question. So if, if there are inquirers who are listening online, or maybe you're here today, I am going to seek to give you real answers, historical answers, and there are very good answers I can give you there. But I think more importantly, the point of today for most of you is to equip you. Because at some point in your life, you are going to be asked this question. So did Jesus really exist then? Or somebody will be having a conversation and they'll say, no, nah, no, he didn't really exist. It was just a made up thing. And what are you going to do then? Are you going to sort of shuffle your feet slowly? Say, no, no, I'm sure that's not right. And not know kind of what to say. No, no, today, today, I'm giving you material, I hope, that will help you be effective in that conversation that is about to come. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. Good. Right. Great, great, great. Okay, so let's have a look at this question then. Well, it's quite an intriguing question, this, because um, just a few decades ago, almost nobody asked this question. No serious scholar would have given it any time at all, because the historical evidence is just so overwhelmingly strong. And that's absolutely still the case today. If, if you uh, look at the, the professors and the New Testament scholars and historians, the overwhelming 99.9% .9 of them will also, even the atheistic ones, and yeah, there are atheistic New Testament scholars, uh, would all say, no, no, the evidence is really overwhelming. Uh, historical evidence is, is overwhelming for um, uh, the existence of Jesus. So in one sense, it is a bit of a silly question. But on another point, it is a question that is being increasingly asked. It is cropping up more and more and more, particularly online. And that's a trend that was noticed by a number of people, but um, uh, it was also noted by a guy called Bart Ehrman. Now, Bart Ehrman is the chair of religious studies at the University of North Carolina. And he's a prominent debater, and he's an author on uh, some theological matters, and he's uh, just written a whole bunch of books. And I have to say to you, this is not a guy I would normally recommend, Bart Ehrman, uh, because he is a self-described agnostic with atheistic leanings. I think most of us just know him as an atheist, to be honest. Uh, he does not believe in Jesus, he does, it, but he was the son of God. He doesn't believe in miracles. He doesn't believe he rose from the dead. Normally, in the you know, theological debates, this bloke is on the other side to you and me. He's very clearly the guy we're having a bit of a barney with. Uh, but on this one matter, 
Did Jesus historically exist? We're absolutely on the same page. So Butler says this, it is striking that virtually everyone who spent all the years needed to obtain all the necessary qualifications is convinced that Jesus of Nazareth was a real historic figure. And uh, it's quite funny, uh, I've been listening to a number of professors uh, online, and I've been listening to some of their theological sermons and, and, and talks that they do, and some of them are really fed up with the silly questions about Jesus that keep cropping up. They really find it irritating, and uh, they often list the stupidity that uh, people say, yeah, Jesus was married, or Jesus had, you know, I don't know, a, a villa overlooking Lake Gennesaret, something, something daft. And they go through them and they just sort of laugh at them. And uh, there's this one guy called Paul Meyer. And uh, for 50 years, he was professor of ancient archaeology at West Michigan University. And he was uh, asked this question, so have you heard about this thing that people don't think that Jesus is a real figure? What do you think of that? And his answer was rather more pithy, but, uh, but um, and he simply said, idiocy. <laughs> Which I thought, okay, I mean, but I can feel the frustration uh, in, his, in, his, uh, in his voice. However, um, as I say, this question is being asked, even though the history is set, and Bart Ehrman uh, sort of ignored it until the point he was getting two to three, and gets now, two to three emails a week from people, not only over North America, but all around the world, asking this question. So was Jesus a real historic figure then? And uh, he was uh, exercised about it, so he ended up writing a book on it called Did Jesus Exist? And uh, there are other books actually on this, uh, good books, Gary Habermas, wrote the historical Jesus, and Paul Meyer, actually, uh, our idiocy friend here, wrote a book called The Real Jesus. So Bart Ehrman is getting all these questions, and he's thinking, this is really peculiar, because I know that the history is so clear. So why are we getting all these questions questioning whether Jesus was a real figure or not? So he decides, I must look into this. So he starts to, to compile and he, he, he looks in, uh, and what he finds is there is a huge amount of information out. It's quite a sizable body of work out there where people are committed to promoting the idea that Jesus is not real, that he is a myth. In fact, there is a group of people now called mythicists. Mythicists, mythicists, I think it is. And they are, they are a group of people that are, they held a conference the other day, and they're committed to the idea that Jesus is a myth. And they are determined to prove that this is the case, despite the fact that the evidence is pointing uh, in the other direction. And Bart Ehrman uh, actually issued a bit of a warning. He said, even a quick internet search reveals just how influential such radical scepticism has been in the past, and how rapidly it is spreading even now. And uh, he then added this, he said, many of them are remarkably militant and are remarkably adept at countering evidence that to the rest of the civilized world is compelling and even unanswerable. So Christians, we need to be aware, this question is coming up. It is intentionally being asked. So we have to be equipped to some degree uh, 
And if you want my notes and you want this uh, presentation, I will give it to you if it will help you. Okay, and the other thing that's also driving this is uh, the atheistic and the humanistic world. So as I was uh, doing my research and I was listening to a number of people online, up popped something from Atheism Canada. Now I do not subscribe, you understand, to that. But up popped this thing and it, uh, it, they have put money and time and effort into, again, this question, promoting the fact that Jesus was a myth, even though the evidence doesn't show that. One other thing by way of background, this question, did Jesus really exist, was first asked in the 18th century. So that's 1700 years after the birth of Christ. And it was made uh, during the so-called enlightenment by people who didn't like Christianity and actively wanted to, to discredit it. And it, even then it didn't really hold water for very long sort of disappeared a little bit, but then pops up again very strongly in the Soviet Union. And the Soviet Union, as you know, was a communist bloc, and communism is predicated on atheism. So it was the perceived wisdom had to be, by, by law, pretty much, uh, that, that, uh, that Jesus didn't exist and was a myth. And it's also, I'm afraid, um, prevalent in some parts of Scandinavia, apparently. But it's, we've just got to be aware it was 1,700 years before somebody came up with this idea, okay? So it's, it's a new thing, comparatively. Right, so we're going to take a look now at the historical evidence, because I want to convince you about this material. I want you to see that it, it stands up. And uh, uh, one of the things I'm not going to do today is I'm not going to refer much to the New Testament. And I'm not going to refer much to the New Testament, because... The doubting world would say, their comment obviously is, well, you, of course the New Testament would say Jesus is real, because it's written by a bunch of Christians. So in our mind, it's untrustworthy. So um, I want to try and convince you today from evidence outside of the New Testament, okay, to strengthen our case. Do you see what I'm doing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay, good. Uh, okay. Perhaps just a little quickly to say, so I'm not going to refer to the New Testament, I am a bit. Um, well, I can't resist it, really. Um, but um, just, just to bear in mind, the New Testament, of course, is 27 different books. And it wasn't compiled as a single book until the end of the 4th century. So what happened is the early church fathers sorted through all the material that was out there, and they got the good stuff, the reliable stuff, and said, we're going to compile this into a book. And then we'll kick out all the bad stuff. So actually, they've done a really good historical job for us. But of course, it's considered to be one source, not 27. Yeah. Anyway, there we go. Okay, so let's take a look at history. Okay, are you sitting comfortably? Yeah. You ready? Yeah. No, well, it's coming anyway, so. Now, bear in mind that history is typically very messy. So historians have to find methods of being able to assess material as it comes to them. And uh, one of the things they are really after, if they can't find hard archaeological evidence, one of the things they want is uh, lots of um, sources of material, unrelated sources of material, all saying roughly the same sort of thing. They haven't been copied from one another. And they have a term for this, and they call that multiple attestation. 
And that's what they're looking for. Lots of different people saying roughly the same thing. There's another thing that they're looking for, and it's called the criteria of embarrassment. And basically what that means is they want the enemies of a person or a movement or a thing to start talking about them. Because the enemy of that person has no interest at all in promoting them. Do you see what I mean? They don't in any way, they're not going to PR it. They're not going to lie. They're just going to say, oh, well, I've got to make reference to it. I wish I didn't, but here it is. And we're going to find that nearly all the material I'm going to present to you falls in both of these categories. The criteria of embarrassment is very high for the information about Jesus. And we're going to have multiple attestation. Okay, right. So you're in history lecture, okay? Did you like history at school? Yes. No? Well, you can leave. <laughs> Good. Well, we're going to have some history today. Okay, so we've, we've got back a little while. And uh, this guy, Tacitus, Tacitus. Now, Tacitus was a Roman senator, and he was a historian, and he wrote something called the Annals of Imperial Rome. He, he wrote it towards the end of his life, in around about uh, 115 AD. And as you can see, he was born around about 55 AD. So his life crosses over with some of the early Christians. And uh, he described Christianity as a disease and uh, hated Christians. And uh, in his annals, he's talking about the fire in Rome, which we know happened in AD 64. And he says, Nero falsely accused those whom the populace called Christians. The author of this name, Christ, was put to death by the procurator, Pontius Pilate, while Tiberius was emperor. But the dangerous superstition, that's what you and I believe, by the way, is dangerous superstition, though suppressed for the moment, broke out again, not only in Judea, the origin of the evil, but even in the city of Rome. So this is a very strong piece of evidence because this guy Tacitus was a really good historian because what he did is he wrote his stuff and if he was unsure about anything, he would mark it hearsay. In other words, he would say, I've heard this is true, but I'm not 100% sure. This is not marked hearsay. So we know a really good historian is marking it and saying, no, I'm referring to this guy called Christ, who I know was put to death by Pontius Pilate. And bear in mind, as a senator, he would have had access to imperial records. Okay, so you're right? Because that's certainly the first. We've got a few to go through, yeah. Next guy, Suetonius. Another Roman historian. And uh, he uh, was chief secretary to the Emperor Hadrian. And uh, he also had access to imperial records. And he wrote a book called The, Twelve, uh, the Life of the Twelve Caesars. And um, as you can see, what he's written here is, because the Jews at Rome caused continuous disturbances at the instigation of Christus, Christ, he, Emperor Tiberius, expelled them from the city. Now, this is really interesting, because in Acts 18, we have a reference to a couple called Priscilla and Aquila, absolutely. And what happens to them? They are kicked out of Rome by the emperor because he has demanded, the Bible tells us, that all Jews leave Rome. So now we have two bits of information joining together, what Suetonius is saying and what the Bible is saying, two different sources. 
are absolutely the same. So we understand this is good history. And he is referring to who in this? To Christ. To the reality of Jesus Christ. Uh, he also then goes on to refer again to Christians who were tortured by the Emperor Nero. And he says, after the great fire, punishments were inflicted on the Christians. A sect, he describes them, professing a new and mischievous religion. That's us. He would not have enjoyed being here this morning, this guy at all. <laughs> so that's Suetonius. Josephus. Now, uh, Josephus, uh, again, not a Christian. Uh, he was a Jewish man and uh, a Roman. He was the court historian for the Emperor Vespasian. He wrote this 20-volume uh, history called The Antiquities of the Jews. And this is a reference that's made in volume 18. Now, I just, I just need to, in all fairness, need to say to you, there's been controversy around this passage because it seems that a monk somewhere down the line decided this wasn't quite strong enough, so he was going to add a little bit of extra and say, you yeah, know, Jesus definitely was the Messiah, and he was definitely, and this all... And, and it's the sort of thing that a committed Jew would not say. So it kind of fell into a little bit of dispute. So the uh, textual criticists started to work on it, and they worked out what they thought had been added. And they stripped away all of that stuff and kept the original. And then in 1972, the marvellously named Shalomo Pines was working in the, um, the Hebrew University on an ancient Arabic document. And they were really interested because he mentions the name Josephus. And this guy in this document quotes chunks of Josephus, including the original passage. And the passage that they worked out, textual criticism, and the passage that we found in the original were almost word for word. So it seems that what you're reading here is the genuine article. So Josephus, and bear in mind, born in AD 38, so really quite early. At this time, there was a wise man who was called Jesus. His conduct was good, and he was known to be virtuous. And many people from among the Jews and other nations became his disciples. Pilate condemned him to be crucified and to die. But those who had become his disciples did not abandon his discipleship. They reported that he had appeared to them three days after his crucifixion and that he was alive. Accordingly, he was perhaps the Messiah concerning whom the prophets have recounted wonders. Now that is something that a good Jew could write as a, as a, as a historian. So that's the first mention. Then he also mentions Jesus again in volume 20, but he's really talking about his brother James. And he just mentions Jesus in passing because he says, you know, James, you know, that guy who had the famous brother called Christ who got crucified, that one. And then he talks about James a bit more. So almost in passing. So we have three Roman historians, none of whom have an interest in promoting Christ, all talking about the person of Christ. Okay, you still with me? Yeah. Okay, next one. Now this is important because it's a non-Roman source. So Marabas Serapion, again, um, uh, writing at a similar sort of time as the other guys, and he writes a letter from Syria, and he seems to be in prison, and uh, he's writing to his son, and he's uh, talking about the lack of benefit that the Jewish people receive from executing their, he calls him their wise king. And he starts comparing Jesus to other great historical figures. 
liked Socrates, and because he died, I think he was poisoned actually, but he died early, and he starts comparing Jesus to him, and then he says, it was just after their kingdom was abolished, God justly avenged. The Jews ruined and driven from their land, living complete dispersion. Nor did the wise king die for good. He lived on in the teaching which he had given. So there's a Syrian source. Next one. Lucian of Samosata. Now, uh, this guy is Greek and he's a satirist. So everything he's writing here, he's taking the mick, okay? He is really, really anti-Christian. Does not, I again, would not have enjoyed being here this morning. And um, so he writes, and you've got to hear the sort of the intonation of the day. So the Christians, you know, he writes, worship a man to this day, bracket, ha, ha, ha. That's very funny in his view. The distinguished personage who introduced their novel rights and was crucified on that account. You see these misguided creatures, that's us Christians, uh, start with the general conviction that they are immortal for all time, which explains the contempt of death and voluntary self-devotion, which are so common among them. And then it was impressed on them by their original lawgiver that they are all brothers from the moment that they are converted and deny the gods of Greece, which I think is probably the thing that's upsetting him a bit, and, and worship the crucified sage and live after his laws. Next one. The Talmud. So the Talmud is uh, started to be written around about AD 70. And it's actually, it's, a couple, it's a couple, at least a couple of books, really. Um, and it's thought it was started because um, in AD 70, uh, Jerusalem was sacked, wasn't it? And the temple was destroyed. Do you remember that? Yeah. Okay, well, it did. And um, the, 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 the rabbis of the day start to come together, realizing that the Jewish people are now being dispersed all over the world. And they do, for the first time, they start to write down something called the oral law. So that's oral teachings. Remember that Israel has quite strong oral tradition. And they start to write stuff down that they've been teaching in their synagogues. Because they think, if we don't write this down, it's going to get lost. So they start to write stuff down. And in the context of writing this down, they refer to Jesus. And they refer to him as being a sorcerer or a magician. We might know it as a miracle worker. Uh, they refer to him being killed on the eve of the Passover and also as having disciples. So yet another reference. Last one we're going to look in detail. Hang on with me, okay? I know it's a hot day. This guy, marvellously named Julius Africanus, and uh, he was writing in 221, which is quite late, but he's referring to a work of a guy called Phallus, which was believed to be written in AD 52, so very early, arguably written before some of the Gospels. And this guy Phallus has written a history of the Eastern Mediterranean world from the Trojan War right up to his current day. Unfortunately, this work is lost, been lost to time, and we only know it's there because other people have referred to it. And this is one of them. And uh, Julius is having a bit of an argument with Phallus because he's saying, he's basically saying, look, Phallus has claimed that this darkness that happened when Jesus was crucified, all of that was, he said that was a natural cause. But it can't have been a natural cause because eclipses of the sun don't happen 
when the crucifixion happened, because it's the time of the full moon. And so he's having a bit of a technical conversation, really. But he's clearly indicating that Thallus has been writing about the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, an actual person. Okay. Right, there are a whole bunch of others that we could look at, which we're not going to today. But I hope you can see, even from the material that I've presented to you today, that we have multiple attestation, don't we? We have Roman, Jewish, Syrian, and Greek sources. And we have lots of criteria of embarrassment, don't we? Most of those people are not believers and they don't like Jesus. What can we tell then? What can we tell from the material that we've looked, okay? Non-biblical material. What can we tell about Jesus? What does this show us? It shows us this, that he existed, that he was crucified, that he had disciples, that he had a reputation as a magician or a miracle worker, that he was a teacher, that he was worshipped, that he was killed on the eve of the Passover, he was known as a king, and that he existed at the time of Pontius Pilate during the reign of Emperor Tiberius. That's not bad, is it? That's not bad. We're not referring to the Bible. This is all the historical material we have gives us this picture of Jesus Christ. Well, we know all of that because it's confirmed by the scriptures. Do you see why this is such a strong area? Do you see the overwhelming nature of the material? And there's much more we could have referred to. There's even a thing called the Acts of Pontius Pilate, which is a Roman document that gets lost, but is referred to. And uh, in uh, AD 150, a guy says, if you're unsure, go read the Acts of um, Pontius Pilate, because how he died is listed in there by Pilate. We don't have that document. I wish we did, but we don't. There's an overwhelming amount of material. In fact, there is more evidence for the existence of Jesus of Nazareth than any other first century Jew. In fact, I've heard that there's more evidence, some have claimed, there's more evidence for Jesus than there is for Pontius Pilate. And he was the Roman governor. So I want to take away from this, there is overwhelming, really solid, genuine, historic material that points us to the reality of Jesus. You should be now in a position to slice apart any arguments that are brought to you that, that contradict us at all. Okay, bear with me. Just a couple more questions I'd like to answer. So these are some of the other questions that the uh, opposing view likes to ask. Okay, I'm just giving you the information. This is what they want to do. They say, so why is there so little archaeological evidence for the existence of Jesus? Why is it more written at the time of Jesus' life? And aren't the accounts of Jesus just based on earlier stories, sort of concocted from other religions? They pulled out bits from Mesopotamia and Egypt and where else, shoved it all together and made it up. That's the claim. Right. Let's go through this fairly quickly. First one, why is there uh, so little archaeological evidence for the existence of Jesus? Right, well, that makes it frustrating, isn't it? Jesus didn't know him very much, did he? No. And all his disciples were poor, weren't they? Yeah. So archaeological uh, evidence in the ancient world is left by who, generally? The rich. 
the powerful, the successful. They are the ones that build castles or temples or palaces or mint coins with their uh, face on, or they have the posh tombs, don't they? Like in the Egyptians' case, very posh tombs, and that's how we know what they are. The poor don't have any of that, do they? No. So I don't really understand the question, what do you mean by archaeological evidence? What are you, what are you hoping for? Jesus didn't build temples. So I, I think it's a really non-starter as a question for me. Second question then that's thrown at us is, well, why didn't more people write about him during his actual lifetime? Okay. Could people read and write generally in the ancient world? No, there was mass illiteracy. Did people, when they wanted to communicate, tend to write to each other? No, they didn't. If they wanted to talk, particularly in an oral culture, which we've got in Israel, if they wanted to tell someone, they would tell them. They wouldn't write. We picked up a kind of 19th, 20th, 21st century idea. Oh, well, you just send him an email. Do. Wake up. No, they didn't do this. I guess the question could be, so why didn't the Romans write more about Jesus if he was this miracle worker? Why didn't the Romans? Why weren't the Romans saying, oh, yeah, wow, this amazing guy? Right. Well, the Romans generally weren't bothered about Jesus. That's the truth. Uh, he was just another one, as far as they were concerned, that was claiming to be a Messiah who claimed to be able to do miracles. He's a sorcerer. We've got plenty of them. Loads of people in Israel claimed to be a, a Messiah. What's all that about? Romans were attracted to, the, to power and success. If you, if you wanted a name in, in Rome, you, you would go and kill lots of people, like Julius Caesar. You'd go off to Gaul and kill a million people. And then he came back and everyone was thrilled about it. They were. They would hold up banners saying, isn't this guy great? Look, he's killed a million people. Very different culture to our own. <laughs> Just extraordinary. That's who they were attracted to. Not a criminal who died on a cross. Why did they write about him? Jesus wasn't stopping taxes. He wasn't leading a revolution. Fine, let it be. They're not bothered about him at all. So why would they be writing about him anyway? Last one. Are the accounts of Jesus... Now, this is quite a big one that people like to go on about. Are the accounts of Jesus based on earlier stories from other religions? People have gone to a lot of work to try and prove that this is the case. Uh, and it, the claim seems to be based on a work called um, The World's 16 Crucified Saviors, written in the 19th century by a guy called Kersey Graves. And uh, there have been other books that sort of come out of this. But he, that's when he makes the claim, well, no, the life, death, resurrection, ascension of, of Jesus is just a mishmash of other stories. Well, Bart Ehrman um, looked into this as well. And he thought, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to look up all of these old stories. Who are all these? And so he looked up Horeb and Isis and Mithras and all the other sort of ancient gods that apparently exist. And his conclusion was, they are totally different. He said this, there are serious doubts about whether there are in fact dying, rising gods, that's the claim, in the pagan world. And if they were, whether they were anything like the dying, rising Jesus. And the answer is probably no. There are not gods like that. 
So he felt it was a really empty claim. Okay, I hope that's helpful. I appreciate there's been a lot of material in that. But again, my objective here is to try and give you something. I hope you can remember one or two things that will just help you to answer that question. Lastly, if you are here or you're watching online and you really do have questions about Christianity, uh, you're somebody who is genuinely seeking and you want to discuss them, can I urge you again to come along to Alpha? It's been mentioned already. Uh, Alpha is a great sort of eight to 10 week course on Wednesday evenings. The next one we are holding starts on the 28th of September. It's a friendly place where you can ask your questions. Who's been to Alpha to sort of interest? Three times. Three times. <laughs> yeah, it's very good, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, uh, Ruben and um, Gabs, can I ask you to stand up? If you have any questions, these are the two people to talk to. Okay, they are the alpha folk. Lovely, thank you guys. They ought to be saying this really, but actually what Alpha does is it, it presents the claims of Jesus in a logical, coherent, digestible way. Most people have, who have rejected Christianity have never even studied it, which is shocking. So what Alpha does is it just puts the claims of Jesus in front of you and enables you to come to a conclusion. And we've had people that have come to faith as a result of Alpha and others who have said, it's not for me. Uh, but it's just a great, great course. So I would really, really urge you to do it. You can sign up as well um, via the screen there. Okay, well that sort of draws things to a close.